Amen. May that be the prayer of our hearts this morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 today. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. And the message title this morning is A Set-Apart Mind. A set-apart mind. I want to ask you this question as we, as we uh, ponder um, this thought of set-apart mind. If you, if you could change anything about yourself, where would you start? All right, think about that. If you could change anything about yourself, where would you start? Most likely, when a, when a question like that is asked, we immediately start thinking about changing what's on the outside. So, so let's go ahead and get it out. Would you be skinnier? Would you be taller? Uh, would you be shorter? Would you be better looking? I don't know if that's possible. Y'all are a good looking group of bunch. Good, good, good. Never mind. Okay, maybe it's not possible. All right, I'm, I'm lying. Uh, would, you, would you change your eyes? Uh, uh, would you change your teeth? Would you change your hair? <laughs> I would. All right, would, would you change your legs or the strength and size of your muscles? Think about it. If you had the ability to change your outward appearance. Would it be a light touch-up or would it be an extreme home makeover? All right. Uh, After the changes are made, though, would we even recognize you? Would we know who you are? I I think we all go through periods uh, where we we want our outward appearance to change, whether it's physical anatomy or our our dress or our style. And, And so we go to great lengths, people do, to make these changes happen, diets and exercises. In some cases, people go through, go through grueling surgery to make it happen. But as hard as it can be to change on the outside, it is infinitely harder to change what's on the inside. Now, now I'm going to ask the same question that I asked earlier, but this time, instead of thinking about changing what's on the outside, I want you to think about what you could change on the inside. If you could change anything on the inside, what would it be? Would it be an impatient spirit? Uh, uh, would it be a critical, judgmental attitude? Would it be a jealous, jealous spirit or anger or resentment or hostility? Maybe you've got a quick fuse. Maybe that's something that, that, that you would want to change. Maybe there, there's lust or, or sexual temptation or a lack of appreciation or, or gratitude. Maybe you would change a, a, a disorganized uh, lifestyle and mindset. Maybe you would change your inability to say no. Or maybe you would change your inability to say yes. Maybe there's prejudice there or, or, or pride or arrogance or maybe you're holding on to the past. Maybe there would be a guilty conscience that you would want to see change. I'm sure, folks, I'm sure that there are things in our lives we would want to change. You know that and the world around you knows that. As a matter of fact, I mean, that's why bookstores are flooded with self-help books. That, that's, why, that's why there are TV talk shows. That, that's why uh, uh, there, there are so many talk shows to improve uh, humanity. That's why so many people move. That's why so many people change jobs or go to a new school or go to a new church or start gym memberships or uh, a new career or a new marriage or, or, or to buy a new outfit and so on and so forth. Change is what people say they want. And some physical changes, you know, we, we, we check in our spirit and we say, yes, physical changes are necessary. But God's not so much interested on changing what's on the outside. God is very interested on changing what's on the inside. 
What if I told you today that you can change inwardly? That God's Word tells us what to do and how to do it. And those changes inwardly lead to changes outwardly. We are called to, set, to be set apart, which means my speaking should be different from the rest of the world. My doing should be different from the rest of the world. My going, my treating of others, my loving, my living, my behaving, my sense of belonging, all of that was meant by God and will by God to be set apart in holiness. But it begins in our mind. It begins in our thinking. God reaches our thoughts, which ultimately reaches our hearts, which ultimately leads to a change in our actions. Where you set your mind is so important because what you set your mind on dominates your thinking, impacts your living. And if you belong to Christ, if your life is hidden in Christ, if your mind is set on things of Christ, you can receive God's Word today and you can allow it to act as a two-edged sword in your life. Your mind does not have room for Christ and the world, though. And we're going to talk about that today. Our mind, our minds are to be set apart. We're either going to think about Christ or we're not. We're either going to think of heavenly things or we're going to think of temporal earthly things. We are called to be set apart even in our thinking, even in our minds. Uh, The apostle Peter is writing to a group of devoted but struggling persecuted Christians and they are scattered strangers. Last week we talked about how they're, they're pilgrims and they're all over, all over modern day Turkey. And so this is a letter written in the first century sent to encourage and strengthen both Jew and Gentile believers who are suffering. And Peter, of all people, of all people who understood what, what suffering meant, Peter knew. Peter knew what it meant to to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ, but Peter knew also what it looked like for Christ to suffer. Think about where Peter was and, and how close to Jesus he was. Jesus saw, or Peter saw Jesus suffer personally. He was there, but he also knew what it was like to cause personal pain to Christ by his own temptation and by his own sin and by his own renouncing of the faith in Christ. So so Peter understood what it was like to suffer. And that was one of those messages and one of the strong themes in the book of First Peter is for the believers in Christ to, 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 to hang on, to remain faithful to Christ, even in spite of persecution and, and, and hard times. And so Peter begins this letter uh, last Last week, we talked about how Peter began this letter by reminding the believers that they are set apart if they will fully commit themselves to faith in Christ. And so we started with the gospel last Sunday morning. We talked about what it meant to have faith in Jesus Christ. Christ chose them. Christ cleansed them. Christ changed them and set them apart, consecrated them and commissioned them for his glory. But he also taught believers how to have confidence that Christ would be faithful to them no matter what they were going through. And so we talked about how Jesus is faithful. We're supposed to keep our faith in the Lord. And so, of course, last Sunday we were focused on being a set-apart family. But today I'm going to talk about a set-apart mind. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you today and tonight uh, three pieces of information that you and I can learn about having a set-apart mind. I'm going to give you one point today and part of one point uh, today as well. So let's read the text together. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 21. The apostle Peter wrote, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober 
Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foredained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Here's one piece of information that I want to share with you about having a set-apart mind. And here's the first thing, the readiness of a set-apart mind. We need to know that we need to be ready to have a set-apart apart mind. I find this in verse 13 when when Peter writes, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get ready. Get ready. It starts in your mind. Holy living starts in your mind. In in the first 12 verses of the first chapter of 1 Peter, Peter is reminding them of what they already know. Okay, they are believers in Christ. He's just stating the facts about their, about their salvation, about their faith, about their hope in Jesus Christ, what has been given to them. But, G, but Peter is wanting them to move from a knowledge of Christ to a living for Christ. He's moving from knowledge to application. He says, I don't want you to know just about the riches of salvation, the Lord. I want you to live in the riches of, of Christ's salvation. In other words, I don't want you just to know that you're saved. I I want you to live like you're saved. All right? Live as if Christ were to return today. Live as if you were going to heaven today. Live with a heavenward readiness. Be prepared. Now, I went fishing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not much of a fisherman, you can tell. I, I, I went fishing, fishing with Mike Evans and Coley, Coley Burrell and my two boys uh, last, last weekend for, for a night. Now, now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I don't, I don't have a, a, a bit of shame in saying this, I don't fish much. All right, I, I, I don't I don't have all the equipment. I have like this this one rod and reel, and the boys have a rod and reel, and it's nothing fancy. Uh, we're, we're not we're not really we're really good at it, except I caught the first two fish. Anyway, uh, but but, but um, these guys, Coley, Coley and Mike, now they 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 know what they're doing. All right, they they were they were prepared, they were ready. Mike had this big brimmed hat, and he had this best like thing and Coley had these coveralls he could go he could go waist deep in the river and, and I'm standing there like on the edge on the edge because I'm not getting wet you know like like throwing out throwing out our line but I got a kick out of it okay watch watching watching my boys you know they're holding their rods and, and we're we're in a moving river and so it's a lot harder it's different than pond fishing but but they're they're just waiting for a bite and, and what was funny is they get so excited when they thought they had a bite I mean they jerk that thing out of the water you know the minute they thought they had a bite but but you have to be prepared and and i wasn't and and thinking about being prepared and fishing reminds me you know of a story about a man who went fishing 
It, it was a cold winter day, and, and this old man walks out onto a frozen lake, and he cuts a hole in the ice, and he, and he drops in his fishing line. This guy was there for almost an hour without a nibble when a young boy walks out into the ice, cuts a hole in the ice not far from him. The young boy drops his line into the water, and then minutes later, he's holding a big mouth, largemouth bass. And the old man couldn't believe his eyes, but he chalked it up. That's just, that's just plain luck, just coincidence. Shortly thereafter, the young boy puts in his line and does it again, pulls out another uh, uh, largemouth bass. And that young boy kept catching fish after fish after fish. And finally, the old man who hadn't had a bite, he couldn't take it any longer. He said, son, I've been here for over an hour without even a nibble. You've been here a few minutes and you've caught a dozen fish. How do you do it? The boy responded, what? Said the old man. The boy says it again. Look, said the old man. I, I can't understand a word you're saying. The boy spits the contents out of his mouth and he said, You have to keep the, war- the worms warm. <laughs> this kid was prepared, he was ready to fish in the same way. okay maybe not the same way this is how we ought to live for christ ready (laughs) you have to keep the worms warm (laughs) ready for anything ready to live set apart ready to live in obedience ready to live on mission ready to glorify christ and honor christ ready to worship ready to see jesus ready to meet jesus ready to live for jesus at all times peter writes gird up the loins of your mind that simply means pull your thoughts together have a ready disciplined mind If you're thinking about in the first century, okay, when this was written, it means tighten your belt. Tie something down in preparation for certain action. If you're thinking about what gird your loins meant in the first century, it's a picture of a robed man tucking his skirts under a belt so he can run freely without any hindrance to uh, to his legs, without any obstacle tripping him up. And in so many words, pull your pants up is what Peter is saying. P- Peter is urging believers to pull in all the loose ends of their lives and discipline themselves in thought. Be ready with a set-apart mind, Peter says. This is, we're, not, we're not stuck in between the world. We're not stuck in between the world and Christ. Don't get distracted. Without any judgment, how many of you, by show of hand, would say, I struggle to stay on task and to stay focused? I do. All right? I I am the master, okay, uh, of starting a bunch of projects and finishing very few of them. Uh, my house and yard are an ongoing, unfinished project. We, we have lived there for three years, and we, we built a playground three years ago, and I've stained and painted it one full time on the outside, but there are still places on the inside that only I know that have never been touched. And at the end of the summer, I'm thinking, ah, I forgot to paint the playground again. All right? Uh, uh, it's the same thing with our back porch. Stained and painted the back porch inside a couple of years ago. Began working on the outside. Got tired, lost track of time. Never got around to fully finishing the outside. Uh, I've got a front porch. Uh, we got a lot of painting to do. Uh, uh, but I had a front porch that needs painting. And I had it in my mind. I'm going to get this done in spring break. And, and, and didn't get it done because I started a bunch of other projects. And, and you know what I mean. Either I hate painting or I get distracted. 
All right, I think it's both. I think it's both. But, but listen, Peter is saying here, don't get distracted. Stay on task. It can be difficult. Peter says you have to stay in a state of readiness in your mind, in your thinking. Live your life without spiritual distraction. Center your thoughts on the hope that you've got in Jesus Christ. He's your Savior. He's Redeemer. But He's also coming again. And so we as believers living in this day, and I believe that we are living in the end times, the end days, we need to be focused on the coming Christ at all times. So live your life with biblical priorities in mind. I think about Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of, of who? Of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means we need to separate and, and unloose ourselves from the world, from sin, from the devil. 2 Timothy th- uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says, You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who listed him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us to lay aside every weight, sin that so easily entangles us or ensnares us, but we're to run forward with it, with endurance the race that is set before us. Live with not just the knowledge of Christ coming back, live ready for Christ to come back. Live a righteous life with his coming in full view. Verse 13 says to rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope, faith, aren't they the same word? Hope, faith. Hope is equivalent to faith. However, faith is trusting in God for the present. Hope is trusting in God for what is to come. All right? He, he, says, he says to gird up your loins and be sober minded all right to to be sober minded means to be calm means to be steady means to be without distraction it means not it means to be controlled it means to weigh things out with discernment it it means the, the word literally means to not be drunk we're not to get carried away drunk in our minds We're to be self-controlled. The key to a set-apart life is to have a set-apart mind, a mind that is ready to live for, to glorify, to honor Jesus Christ, that is focused on Christ, a mind that is fixated on the Word of God, a mind that is forward on eternal things. Peter says we're called to have hope in Christ until the end. That means we're to have constant faith in the Son of God. We put our full weight of faith and confidence and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who is to come. My mind is to be constantly on the big picture daily. I trust God with my day. I trust God with the challenges that lie ahead because I can't see them. Therefore, I've hope in the day. I I trust God with my wife. I trust God with my boys. I trust God with their days ahead, knowing that their days they have no knowledge of all that's going to go on. I trust God with with, with work, work, all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I trust that God is daily bringing people to himself with hopes that he will accomplish all that he has willed before he returns. I trust that even if trouble looms in the day ahead, that Christ will have the ultimate victory. Let's put this in context. Peter's readers in the first century 
knew that if they continued to live for Christ, persecution was imminent. They knew that. If they continued to serve Christ, many of them would be killed for their faith in Christ. They understood that. But here, here Peter is saying, folks, your suffering, your trial, your persecution, that is not the end. Christ is the end. Okay, set your hope on Christ. Be ready to serve Christ. Christ is the end. And, and beloved, I, I'm sure that all of you are going to face this week or this month or later in this year some sort of hardship, some sort of trial, some sort of suffering. And so I want to remind you today of this. Your condition right now is not the end. Christ is the end. Okay, your, your sickness, that's not the end. Christ, Christ is the end. Suffering and death, that's not the end. Christ is your test. Your test that you're going through, whether it be a test of character or a physical test, Christ is the end, not the test. A failed marriage, a relationship, that, that is not the end. Christ is the end. Loneliness or discouragement, it's not the end. Christ is the end. And I need you to hear this today. Your enemy, he is ended. <laughs> All right? He's not the end. Christ is the end. So Peter's saying, don't give up. Look up. Christ is beyond all that we're facing or going through. Many years ago, some passengers were on, a, on an Atlantic ship and they were in the midst of this terrible, fierce storm and they were all gathered together in a center cabin and, and, and the wind was screaming all over the rig and, and, and the waves were monstrous and the bow of the ship, it was starting to dip into the water and, and people were screaming for their lives. People were frantically worried about their lives and, and suddenly, in the midst of the storm, one of the passengers comes from the outside in and he says, it's all right. I've seen the face of the captain, and he does not look the least disturbed or troubled by the storm. Everything is under control. The apostle Peter says, I have seen the face of the captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is well. It is well. Peter had once walked on water with the Lord Jesus he had dared to do what no man had done before. He put one foot out in front of the other as he steps out of the safety of a boat and onto dangerous water. And, and he took one step and two steps and more steps towards Christ until, of course, he, he saw, the, he saw the, uh, the, the waves around him, the circumstances around him, and, and, then he, and then he sinks. But immediately Peter cries out, Save me, and all is well. Christ reaches down and saves him immediately. It was John Phillips who said, Peter learned that day that all of the mountainous waves of life which seem to be over our heads are all under Jesus' feet. Whatever you're facing today, it's under Christ's feet. Set your hope on him, Peter writes. Get your mind ready. Secure it fully on Christ who is your hope. So we first see the readiness of a set-apart mind. To finish up this morning, I want to begin the second point. There are some reasons to have a set-apart mind. All right, there's some reasons to have a set-apart mind. And the one I want to focus on comes from verses 14 and 15. Let's read those verses together. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance... 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. The primary reason that we are to have a set-apart mind is because we have a call to be holy. That's the reason. We have a call to be holy. Peter writes, we are to be as obedient children. This is simple, folks. Children reflect the nature of their parents. Now, that's scary. <laughs> All, right? All right. Just a thought aside from the message. If my kids emulate me, what does that mean? What does that mean? I heard about a little boy who was begging his mom if he could go out and help his dad work on the car. <laughs> He said, Mom, I can help with the car. I promise. I know all the words to yell at the car to get it going. (laughs) He does what his father does. We reflect our parents. If my mind is to be set apart for holy living, for set apart living, and the primary reason we do that is because we're to look like and live like our heavenly father. If our minds are to be set apart on the Lord, shouldn't they be like the Lord's? And here's the thing about our father, our father in heaven. He's not going to lead us down a path of sin and unrighteousness. He's going to lead us down a path of goodness and holiness. God is too good of a father to allow us to walk away in disobedience. Obedience is a characteristic of the child of God. Okay, uh, now, now that's challenging for us to read this morning. Ask this question in your heart. Am I a child of God? Am I a child of God? Okay, it is not by works that you're saved today. We talked about that last week. Our obedience to God's word or standard does not bring me to salvation, okay? Faith in the Son of God by His grace is why I'm saved. And the authentication or or the validation of my faith in Christ is my obedience to His word. People will know that I belong to Christ, If I will obey his word and do his word. Believers in Christ reflect a relationship with God by living in holiness. Does that mean I'm supposed to be perfect? I'm sure that may come to mind. But the scripture says not to be perfect. Scripture says to be holy. The answer is no. Perfection isn't the goal. Holiness is is the goal. If I'm seeking to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with my life, with my thinking, my doing, my believing, my loving, my serving, holiness will come forth. If you're walking with the Lord, you won't sin. Keep that in mind. If we're walking with Jesus all the way, you won't fall into sin. The only time we sin is when we become dissatisfied with our relationship with God. Okay, and, and, and we go looking for fulfillment somewhere else. That's the only time that we sin. We are called to live holy lives. We are partakers of the divine nature that Peter would write about in, in, in 2 Peter 1, verse 4. Before Jesus came into our lives, Peter says, we were disobedient. I want you to think about these words in Ephesians. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We once conformed, Peter wrote in verse 14, to former lust. That's who we used to be. 
Before we were saved, we didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. That's why, that's why we should not be surprised or we should not even be angered by the way that lost people live. Sure, our hearts are broken by their fallen state. Yes, they without Christ are walking in condemnation, not salvation, but in ignorance, folks. The scripture says in ignorance, they indulge in sin. They don't know any better. Unsaved people don't have the spiritual intelligence that you have. They don't have the mind of Christ like you and I have. And, and folks, we would, in that st- we would also be in that state if it were not for the grace of God. Christ called us. Last week we talked about how he chose us. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't do a thing to earn or deserve our salvation. He called us. And when he saved us, he further called us into holy living to be set apart, to be different. So remember that when you're faced with temptation this week, you're set apart. You are different. Remember that when you find yourself in a private place and you can seemingly do as you please. My mind is to be set apart. I'm to be holy. Remember that when you are confronted with an opportunity to lash out in your flesh. My mind is to be set apart, to be holy. Remember that when you are surrounded by ignorant lost people who talk like and act like members of their father, the devil, you are called to be different. You're called to be set apart. So when your feet hits the ground every morning, ask the Lord first, renew my mind. Renew my mind. Ask the Lord to flood your mind. Ask the Lord to remind you all day, I'm a child of God. I am set apart. I am freeing the Lord to live for him. I am different. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm called to have his mind. I'm called to have his heart. I belong to him. As my father is holy, I too am called to be holy. Are you? Are you one of his children? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you holy? You won't be set apart apart from relationship with Jesus. I want to finish by sharing with you this story. Two little boys were one day playing in a treehouse in the backyard. And they were having a great time. And as they were finishing up their playtime, they began to walk down the steps of the treehouse. Well, one of the boys' legs got stuck in the ladder. And the little boy began crying out for help. And he's in pain and he's just wanting freedom from from this trap. Well, his friend couldn't get him free. And so the little boy, he couldn't set himself free. And finally he said, why don't you go inside and get my dad? And dad comes out and he climbs up to him. And dad doesn't try to pull his leg free. Dad breaks the steps around his legs. And then he pulls him free. And the little boy, uh, little boy's friend looks at him in amazement and he says, man, your daddy is strong. Your daddy is strong. Folks, there are things in your life that may not be pleasing to the Lord. And there are strongholds and sins and struggles. And they're not something that you can just break free from alone. And sure, there are friends who care about you, but they can't break you free alone. The good news today is that our Father in heaven, He is strong. 
And he is mighty. And by the cross of Jesus Christ and by his cleansing and by his salvation over our lives, you can be set free. And there is nothing, there's no sin, no temptation that can take you out of his reach. He is stronger. And so today I'm challenging you. I'm pleading with you. Hear the message. Do you want to be set apart? Do you want to be changed? You have to allow God to set you free. You have to surrender it all to him. He will do it. Ask God to make you holy. Ask God to remove anything that will block your pursuit of being holy in the Lord. As we go into a time of invitation, I want to ask, am I set apart Do I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? You can today. You can right now put your faith in Jesus Christ if you've never had before. You say, Pastor Peter, I I want to be set free today. I want to be made clean. I want to be holy. I want to be right before the Lord. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of living for the devil and like the devil. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Maybe that's you today. Maybe as I'm speaking to a group of believers, are you living set apart? That's my question for the believer today. Are you living set apart? Let's begin with our minds. Are you living set apart in your mind? Because it begins there. Daily, we must be ready to be set apart in our mind. You may be thinking, I lose that battle often because I don't daily give my mind to Christ. Maybe this morning you need encouragement and you need prayer. You are called to holiness. It's simply asking the Lord for his help. Maybe this morning you just lift your hand and you say, Peter, I I need prayer this week. I need prayer that my mind would be set apart for the glory of God. Now listen, we can talk about being set apart all day long. But we have to take action. And I'm asking you today, is there something that you must do with this text. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, I pray right now that that our minds would be set apart on the word of God and what you're challenging and calling us to do today. And Lord, I pray over our, our fellowship, over our congregation, that if there's someone here today that needs to be set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would begin there. The way to be set apart for holy living is to give your life to the Holy One, Jesus. Christ loves you today if you've never put your faith in Christ. He loves you so much that he would die on the cross for your sins and be raised to life. He gives you the gift of salvation if you will take it by faith. Maybe today you'll receive that free gift and say, Peter, I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. Is there someone here today that needs to make that decision? Today, I'm putting my faith in Christ. Anybody at all, just raise your hand. Today, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Anybody at all? Maybe someone here today needs to commit their life to the Lord, afresh and anew. Maybe someone here today needs to commit their mind to Christ so that they can commit their actions to Christ and their living to Christ. Maybe you need to commit your whole life to the Lord today anew. Maybe someone here needs to take the next step of obedience. You say, I want to show the world that I am set apart by following through with believers' baptism. Maybe God's leading you to do that today. Maybe you're feeling led and called of God this morning to 
for your family to be set apart for the work of the Lord. And God's leading your family to join this fellowship. And it's very possible today that, that, that God is calling you to be set apart in service and ministry. And you today want to respond with obedience. Say, today I, I'm setting myself apart to do the work of the Lord with my life. God, there's so much that can be done with this text today. With this message today. I pray, God, that it would not and does not fall on deaf ears and hearts. I pray we'd be obedient to what you're leading us to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tammy's going to play here for a moment. And if God's, if God's uh, saying something to your heart today to take action, okay, with this message, I trust that you will. You can come during this time of invitation. Come and pray. We'd be glad to minister to you if you need.